Hello, everyone. This is uh, Tony Clark. Once again, I am bringing you another podcast. Tonight, we will be talking to one of our newer officials that everybody knows as Nima. How you doing tonight, Nima? I'm great. How about yourself, Tony? Um, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So I'm um, going to just throw some questions out at you, you know, just answer them freely, uh, share your thoughts, share your opinions. Um, so the other guys can, you know, just get a feel and, and see how things are going for you. Uh, first question will be, how long have you been officiating? I just wrapped up my second year. Well, you've done a lot for, for a guy with just two years. What's your wrestling <laughs> background? Uh, my wrestling background consists of roughly four years ago being bored watching television and looking at uh, the news on my cell phone and finding an article that says something like uh, – Loyola Academy wrestler uses unorthodox style to advance to state finals and thinking, what does a high school have to do with, you know, a, a television drama thinking wrestling was just you know, WWE wrestling, right? I didn't realize it was a real sport until I clicked on that article and read through it and thought, oh, this is actually pretty cool sounding. I should look into this a little bit further. That's the extent of my wrestling background. Okay. So being a second year official, um, just – kind of quickly explain how you've been able to, to absorb the knowledge. You know, what is, what is your learning process to uh, try to catch up to everyone else? Catch up is a great way to put it. So not having uh, on the mat experience uh, in school, which I, I regret not knowing about the sport, having not, not having had a mentor growing up or someone uh, I could look up to that recommended I pursue it. Uh, I, I have to catch up exactly right. So to do that, um, I, I actually started out by attending the uh, officials conference a couple years back down in Peoria at the time. And I got to meet a lot of the key folks, including yourself, as well as a number of other state final officials who kind of welcomed me with open arms and uh, made me feel like this is a family that I could get to know and, and actually uh, grow to respect. So in doing so, I, I got to know a number of folks who were willing to kind of take me under their wing and show me the ropes and uh, gave me a number of tips along the way, a big aspect of that being video. How beneficial is our um, four hour training process been for you? So the, the clinics, man, uh, especially for someone like myself, right. Who doesn't have that wrestling background. Uh, you know, some, some folks, they know this stuff cold, right? Me, I had a lot to learn. So I'm sitting there going, four hours isn't enough. I need more. <laughs> and I realized, like I said, for a lot of folks, that sounds ridiculous. They kind of want to get there get their education and go home. And I'm sitting there like, but I have, I have more questions. I know I'm irritating when I, I'm asking too many questions, but I've got so much more to learn. So please, I need more. So they've been great. Um, honestly, at some point, though, it was really funny. One of the other state final officials, uh, uh, a gentleman I respect greatly, Nate Kesson, at one point early on you know, uh, in my, my career, said to me, okay, You've been to literally every clinic since the uh, 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 summer uh, officials conference. What you need uh, is, is on the mat experience. <laughs> you need to stop getting out you know, uh, in front of the screen and getting on the mat. And uh, he was absolutely right. You know, it, there were no questions asked. I, I could have probably given the presentation at that point. I memorized every single one of those slides from beginning to end because I'd seen it so many times. But once I got on the mat, and realized I had to make decisions at match speed, it was a completely different animal. So let's talk about your first match. How did that go? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Uh, so 
my first uh, on the mat experience, thankfully, was not as the official on the whistle. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to, like I said, build a network and have the opportunity to assist and observe uh, as the second official. So the first dual meet of the season, I was there, uh, you know, counting the clock and, uh, and doing, the, doing the things that an assistant official would do. And I did that for a number of duels and tournaments before I had my first uh, opportunity to be on the whistle. Plus, I actually know I should take that back. I forgot to mention, uh, you know, Bill Honeycutt gave me a great opportunity to join him at Faceoffs at uh, Downers Grove uh, North and uh, and South as well, actually, that, that first year. And it was, man, you know, humbling, very, very humbling experience. He's in your ear and he's telling you, you know, do this, do that. Oh, you're missing this. You're missing this other thing. And you're thinking, God, I'm, I'm a complete fool, right? But, you know, you learn from all that experience and you, you, you grow from it. And then I assisted. I forgot about that first step. Then I assisted. So, okay, I have on-the-whistle experience now doing, doing I said face-offs. I meant to say wrestle-offs, doing wrestle-offs first, then uh, progressing into to assisting at uh, other, other uh, officials' uh, dual meets. Then finally, my first assignment comes around. And I think, okay, I am finally ready, right? I've been humbled at my uh, experience doing wrestle-offs, being the guy on the whistle. I've now uh, had the opportunity to assist at actual dual meets now, so I'm ready to go. And what I quickly realized was that you get very, very rusty very, very quickly unless you have a warm-up routine to kind of psych yourself up and be ready uh, before each and every dual meet. And that's become part of my process now. Uh, and, and a gentleman by the name of Eddie Collins put together this great card that you can now leverage to look at uh, to say, okay, what are the, the, the key things that I need to be looking out for key behaviors that are common amongst officials, mistakes that we might make to, to, to not make. And once you get there, once you're at your uh, assignment, wa watch kids as they're warming up. That was another hint, a tip I got along the way is, okay, so they're out on the mats, you know, they're warming up, they're with their wrestling partner, and they are uh, practicing various uh, takedowns, reversals, and techniques. And you're in your mind thinking, okay, that's two, okay, that's a reversal two, that's an escape one. And you're, you're kind of psyching yourself up. You're getting your uh, head into that mental space that you need to be in so that when that first whistle blows, you're not still like you need coffee, right? Like you still need to wake up. And I still kind of ideally prefer something like a, 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 <clears throat> a, a uh, exhibition match first, just to kind of warm up, kind of like my, my first cup of coffee in the morning. But obviously, you don't always have that, that luxury. But ultimately, it doesn't take long to kind of dust. Once you have that routine built in, it doesn't take too long to dust off that, uh, uh, that, that experience. But back to your original question in terms of what was my first assignment like, it was a very humbling experience. I made all the mistakes you could possibly imagine. And I actually ended that first evening thinking, you know, I prepared all I could. I spent all summer practicing. I did the wrestle-offs. I did the um, assisting and that coach just tore me to shreds and I didn't even know how to, to stand up to him because honestly, he was right about everything he took me to the table for all 20,000 times he took me to the table because I was so uh, uh, just uh, flustered. And uh, ultimately what I would advise new officials is stick with it. It pays off. Uh, don't, don't let that get to you. You're going to make mistakes. Just accept that going into it. That's a, that's a pretty good story. I, I'm glad you didn't, uh, give up after that first night and uh you did give it another try uh you've mentioned a couple of mentors how or what have they done 
to help you, you know, get better at what you're doing? Um, are they giving you mat time out there? You know, just explain, you know, just some of the things they've done for you. Sure. Absolutely. So um, early on, uh, I'm out there. I am just, you know, one, one official gave me some good advice, which is set up a camera, just kind of have it, have it record yourself and watch it later. And that's a time commitment. There's no doubt about it. Not everybody has that kind of free time. But at the end of the day, if you do, it's very, very beneficial. I, I come off, you know, the mat thinking, okay, I know the two or three mistakes that I made. You know, I, I called an escape and then a takedown when I should have really called a reversal. Or, you know, my swipes, they were just too fast and I know it. But then I watch the video and I find, you know what? There were probably two or three other mistakes I, I didn't realize I made. And watching that video really, really helped. Then there's scenarios where it's a close situation. Maybe you think you're right and you're not sure. Speaking of mentors, it really comes in handy when that you have folks that you can you can send those video clips to to ask for that advice, right? So early on, you're, you're learning, you come up to speed, maybe you're questioning some of your calls, cut out some of those clips and send that to a number of folks, right? So you mentioned, or, or, or you asked about who those might be. So Bill Honeycutt is a great mentor, uh, Mike Perkis, you know, Nate Kesson, like I said, Eddie Collins, uh, there's just been a, a countless folks. I can't name all of them off the top of my head. There's just so many folks out there who are happy to help you out if, if you're if you just give them a call or shoot them an email. And in doing so, you start to build a rapport. They start to know, okay, this guy actually cares. This guy or gal actually cares. They're trying to get better. They want to do the right thing and make the right call. So I'm going to start to trust this individual. And if I see them, at a dual meet that I happen to be at when they choose to stick around, right? So they've got their lower level assignment. They're there, you know, doing their thing, whether that's freshman or JV1 or JV2. If they choose to stay for the varsity round, I know that guy, right? He's the guy that sends me these clips. He's thoughtful. He's questioning himself and he's confident when he needs to be. You know what? If, he, if, if he's interested, I might actually give him, you know, one or two or maybe more of some of my whistles when it comes, you know, when, when the, when the uh, mats get closed down to one, when the lights go down and the spotlight goes up, I might actually trust this guy with my reputation. I might actually ask those coaches, Hey, do you mind if I let this guy whistle a couple of my matches tonight? Is that all right with you? I got a lot of respect for him. He's working really hard and he wants to learn. Is that, is that all right coach? And 99.9% .9 of the time, those coaches will say yes, because they trust that that state final official who's willing to mentor, mentor me in that scenario. So Long story short, by building that relationship, by networking with those folks, asking questions and showing that you care and you're interested and you're passionate more, more than anything else, it's been very, very beneficial in terms of uh, uh, gaining the trust of those mentors and having that opportunity to get access to not just mat time, but varsity level mat time, which is a completely different animal from lower level experience. You and I actually got to work uh, together, Lake Forest versus Stevenson. Um, just describe that experience that you had <laughs> out there working the varsity with me. One word, exhilarating. It's just, you know, indescribable. You're out there, everybody's screaming. You know, it, it came down to literally the last match. So in a duel like that, all eyes are on, you know, all eyes are on the wrestler, but all wrestlers, but you're the third guy on the mat. It, it's just you and that. So, and they're obviously their eyes are on the calls that you're making or not making too, right? And, and their mouths are also on the calls that you're making or not making too. So, so I mean, like I said earlier, 
I regret that I didn't discover the sport much earlier because I know I would have loved it to death. It's an adrenaline rush, and I love that aspect of it. It's the closest thing you can be to a participant in the sport is being the official on the whistle on a varsity match when, like I said, all the lights are down, the spotlight's on you and the two wrestlers down there. And when you know what? When, when you've got a, a, a scramble that's just taken forever to resolve, pressure is rising you've got your arms spread out and i know you joke about my wingspan too it's kind of ridiculous i agree it looks like i'm about to take off at any given moment because <laughs> i have this crazy wide wingspan so i'm i'm signaling no control no control still we've got no control here and uh and you're just like god someone please get control because i am my arms are killing me <laughs> And the crowd is screaming, both sides. They both want to. They're shouting, too. The other side is, no, I'm too. We got to. It's just like, somebody, please get control here. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's an adrenaline rush I can't really describe until finally the dust settles. Someone's got it. You're throwing up the two. And maybe it's gone straight to the back. And you're counting near fall. And you're hoping, oh, shit, I got to slow that near fall count down. Because my heart's pounding. And I know I'm probably counting way too fast as a result. Slow it down. Slow it down. And it's, it's, it's a blast. I love it to death. Great. Can you um, just give everybody an idea? You know, you talk about the filming. Um, so, you know, is there a special camera you're using? Where are you setting this camera up? Um, because clearly you're on the mat while this thing is filming. You know, you got to have a little bit of trust wherever you're putting it. Nobody's going to knock it over or, or, or walk off with it uh, based on where you're working. So just give us an idea of how, what your process is for setting up the filming. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So honestly, there's no right or wrong answer here. Um, I've had folks that use a GoPro, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Um, it's a hobby of mine, and I like to spend some extra cash. So I have got this, you know, 4K camera that I use. The benefit to that is that, you know, with a higher resolution camera, if you're if it's set farther back, you can uh, zoom in on it, and the, res the quality doesn't kind of diminish too badly. Um, as far as, you know, where I set it up, I've tested kind of, first of all, it depends on, on, on the venue, right? If you're at CPS, it's one thing, you know, if you're in the suburbs is another, another consideration is, you know, is it a one story, uh, you know, is it in a, in a, in a field house where it's just one floor or are you in the gym where it's multi-story and you can probably have an elevated view, which would give you a better vantage point. Is there a place on that second story that's not going to get knocked over, right? So there's, there's a million factors. And to this day, I am still testing what the best answer is. Literally the last assignment I worked, uh, the very last assignment, the Frosh Soft uh, Regionals, you know, uh, someone was still knocking my camera around. I'm sitting there going, how rude, right? But, you know, it's still worth it and I love it. And uh, what, as far as that goes, you know, like I said, probably the safest for a new person to start out with is set it up at the table. I mean, you have direct visual contact with the table at all times, right? Throughout, throughout the match, not literally, because you're obviously watching the match itself, but, you know, it's not like it's up in some balcony uh, where you can't ever see it. So set it up at the table first until you feel more comfortable uh, where your, your table workers can watch it too in case something goes wrong. They'll know if someone's trying to steal it, obviously. Um, and just have it trained on the mat, you know, as wide of an angle as possible. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, when you've got some time, just watch through various uh, matches. And, uh, you know, you might, if you're limited on time, watch the matches where you thought things got kind of funky. But I would also encourage you to watch matches where you didn't actually think anything funky because those are the ones where, you know, I thought I had everything under control and I don't remember having ever made any mistakes on those. And I think, oh, man, that was that was terrible. What was I thinking there? Jesus. 
So um, that's probably the gist of it. Is there, like I said, you can't go wrong. If you're just starting out, drop a couple hundred bucks on a GoPro um, and set that up at the table with a little, you know, miniature tripod. And that's a good place to start to just kind of watch yourself in action. Helps you with mechanics too, right? You know, you're, you're looking at yourself and you're able to see from the outside looking in, what do people see when they're watching you on the mat? Do you look confident? Are you throwing up your calls kind of shaky? Are you, you know, half throwing up a call and pulling it back? Because people notice that, right? And I didn't realize a lot of the things that I do until I watched the video. So, you know, I'm about ready to word an escape. I'll throw up my hand and I'll pull it right back down. And people are like, oh, that guy's not very confident in his calls. We're going to question him more. We're going to challenge him more. So you'll learn uh, what your mechanics look like might be different from what you think they look like once you watch yourself on video. Now, as a new official uh, person, like you said, you, you didn't have a lot of uh, any experience coming into the sport. What's your rule book process? How do you, how do you use your rule book? How do you use your case book to get yourself ready? It's a, that's a great question. Um, so the, the case book is, they both have their own unique value. Uh, the rule book, obviously, you've got to memorize front to back. It's shorter. So you can get through it a little bit faster. Um, I find that uh, the way the rule book is written, I can read something front to back, think I've got it understood, and then I will go out on the mat, and then I'll realize, no, I did not understand it at all, right? You know, the, a, a good example of being a new official, you know, I thought I fully understood the locked hands rule. And the thing is, the way that rule is written, it is one gigantic run-on sentence. It, is, it needs to be broken up into bullet points, is my personal opinion. But long story short, what I didn't realize as I read that thing 100 times is, well, when you go straight to near-fall criteria from being on your feet, that's okay as long as you're, you, can, you, can, you can maintain that loft, that bear hug, for example, down on the mat. And I didn't realize that until someone asked, the coach asked another official, is that right? Can you still hold your locked hands as long as you're in near-fall criteria? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've read that rule a hundred times. And then I reread it. And sure enough, it's like a subsection of a subsection of that rule. And so long story short, uh, mad experience helps with understanding and interpreting the rules. The casebook really helps too. There's a lot in there is the problem. So the casebook is long and it'll take you a while to get through it. And with both of those things, you've got you've to read it not just once a year, but multiple times, right? So the advice I was given is read it, obviously, before the season starts, both before the season starts. Read it again sometime around the middle of the season. And ideally, just before the start of the postseason, get a chance to read it a third time. And that's kind of what I've tried to hold on to now. Am I perfect about that? I'll, I'll pick them up and I'll, I'll start both of those uh, uh, each time, you know, at the start of the season and midway through the season. Will I finish them? Sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes I'll, I'll be waiting, you know, a tournament's supposed to start at 8 a.m. and it's delayed because the tournament management is not ready. I'll, I'll use that time for the next half hour, 45 minutes to just continue that, that journey of rereading some of those casebook uh, questions. And it's funny how those casebook questions, man, there are some real corner cases in there that uh, I will have read and I know I'll have read and I've forgotten about. And rereading them has been very, very beneficial uh, when it when you run into that particular corner case and you can say off the top of your head, oh no, that's in the casebook. I just read that and I know what to do here. It, it really helps uh, calm tense situations down quite a bit. So uh, basically, you can't read it enough. 
I highly recommend reading the case book over and over again and trying to commit that thing to memory as much as possible. It'll save your butt. Great. So, you know, just, just sum up, you know, what, you know, what you feel your experience has been, um, what some other advice you would give to uh, not only the new official, but, you know, the official has got three or four years because in our state, it's really tough to get an official past five years. So what advice would you give to those people out there other than don't give up and to keep learning? What else would you share with them? So, you know, something that I, I can't give is passion, right? The number one thing you have to, to, to have to be successful is to be passionate. Does the sport excite you? Are, you know, would you still get butterflies when you roll into that parking lot and think, God, I hope I don't screw up. You know, things are going to get tense. It's going to get, you know, exciting. It's going to get, you know, adrenaline's going to be pumping. Coaches are going to be screaming and I'm nervous. And if you, if you don't have those butterflies anymore and you're just rolling in there, like I'm here to collect a paycheck, can't wait to be done. I don't know what advice I can give you other than maybe go look for another route to, to make money or pursue a different passion, right? Something that does get your heart racing. But if it does still get your heart racing, if you are still passionate about the sport, you still get those butterflies when you roll in that parking lot, then I would say, you know, officials have always told me when I, I come to these conferences, pick up the phone, call us, don't hesitate. And, you know, I always just assumed that's just something people say to be nice. I'm not, you know, I didn't have the guts necessarily to do exactly that early on. I thought they've got, you know, people they know for decades. You know, I, I'm just this young whippersnapper that, that uh, just trying to up and coming, right? And they don't, whatever, they've got more, more important things to do with their time. Over time, I, I realized, no, they were actually being serious. They genuinely, every senior official that's part of these clinics, they want other officials to be successful. They want to grow the sport and they want to make sure that the sport is sustainable for years to come. And they know that means they need to bring up, you know, for, for each one of themselves, they need to bring up 10, 20, or 50 officials as part of their career, right? So as a senior official, if they're, you know, for every one of them, they need to, to have trained 20, 30, 40 of, you know, fellow younger officials just to make sure through attrition, like you said, you have a hard time retaining folks uh, to make sure that it sustains. And so each one of these folks that I've talked to, like I said, I've named a number of names earlier, they're all it's unbelievable how patient they have been with the incessant nonstop questions I will continuously ask. And uh, I appreciate their patience with me. So like I said, early on, I thought, you know, they're just, they're just being nice. Uh, They don't want me to bug them. Uh, Then I realized, no, they actually do. Uh, They really care. They want to make sure that uh, the, the ranks grow, that the sport grows. And they know that uh, helping to educate, and uh, train the younger officials will be the right path to that. So I've witnessed, I personally witnessed them coach other younger officials, and that kind of helped me feel more confident. Okay, I can call up to them and I can ask them questions, and they'll be there for me. And, and they'll they'll ask. Uh, you know, one of the things I get excited about is I won't. I'll ask them a question I think I have, and they'll say, "Well, Nima, have you thought about these other five other things that you just showed me in that video clip of you? You 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 were wondering if that was the right call." but did you look at your mechanics over there? What about this over here? Did you see that? Did you think about any of these other things? What about reaction time? Do you think you had enough reaction time there? And I'm like, whoa, I, that, I, I, you just gave me a whole lot more than I bargained for in this question that I just asked. And you just turned this thing around. And that's great. I love it. I love that mental challenge. And I, I appreciate that they care enough 
to challenge me in that way. So don't hesitate. My advice is don't hesitate to build a network and just bug the hell out of those senior officials because they want to be bugged with your questions. Have you or do you use coaches for feedback? There is no question. You, I mean, to be successful for uh, a number of reasons, I think you absolutely do. Uh, the, the number one reason is, especially head coaches, have a heavy influence on the assignments you get and your, your officiating career path, right, in terms of ratings and reviews and things of that nature. It's important if for no other reason than that. But it's also important to grow as an official. Um, I've, had, I've had coaches uh, that will come up to me, you know, after a uh, dual meet and say, hey, look, um, I appreciate what you're doing. And I can see you're in this for the long haul. Do you mind if I give you some piece of advice? Sure. Yeah. What's up? I would, I'd strongly encourage you to call less stalling at the freshman level, just specifically at the freshman level. I think maybe you could kind of let that slide a little bit more. I'm like, okay. All right. Fair enough. I will take that into account. Appreciate the feedback. Thanks coach. Um, on the other hand, you know, uh, at the Frost Soft Tournament, you know, I just had that regional a uh, couple weeks back before we kind of shut down the, the whole sporting arena for COVID-19. But uh, I had a situation where it was a, it was a first uh, first place match. It was the end of the regional. And uh, two top, top-notch lower weight wrestlers were going at it. It made it to overtime, sudden victory round. It's one of those situations where crowds, you know, just screaming from the top of their lungs. Everybody's excited. It was a long scramble. My arms are out. I'm pulling no control, no control, no control. And from my angle, you know, one guy got on top of the other, and uh, the bottom guy's hips were down on the mat, and I just threw up the two right away. And, you know, as soon as I threw up that two, uh, you know, crowd was excited. Everyone was really excited. And then uh, the coach and assistant coach uh, of the team that lost came up to me and they said, you know, I just don't feel like that was controlled. I'm sorry. I just, I just do not feel like that was controlled. I said, you know what? I appreciate that. Uh, I've got a camera. That's, that's it. And I pointed out that's on the balcony. I will take a look at that video. Do you mind uh, giving me your, your contact and follow, I will follow up with. And sure enough, uh, I went home. I watched that video. I didn't like it. I, uh, I began to question. I thought, you know what? Let me check. I've got mentors. I've got people I can reach out to. Let me send that video clip to others before I make a final call here. And they agreed. And I said, you know what? Probably should have held that one a little bit longer. Probably should have done that. So I reached out. I shot a note. I said, hey, coach, you know, I want to let you know that I reviewed that video of that takedown as promised. And I agree with you. I should have held that a little bit longer, waited for the action to settle. Uh, you know, I apologize. And, I, and I'm sorry I blew that. And he actually responded and said, you know, I totally appreciate you looking back. And your email. Always different angles and interpretations. Part of the sport. Maybe we'll wrestle again next week at the section and get another chance. So, honestly, I I find that my relationships with coaches improves when I make a mistake and admit to that mistake versus if I just kind of sail through, even if I don't make – like, going – you're not really memorable, right? (laughs) If you uh, work a duel and you're kind of average and everything just kind of works out and there's no big deal – you're not terribly memorable, but when you make a mistake and then you ha- you reach out and you follow up with that coach and say, hey, look, I, I reviewed the situation. And one way or another, right, whether you feel like, you know, I'm sticking with that call or you realize you probably should have made a different call, the fact that you invested the time, energy, and effort to, 
to, to actually review it builds that rapport with that coach in a way that if you would just kind of come in, done your job and left, even if you did a great job, probably won't have that same bond that you'll eventually grow from having had that discussion and reaching out and admitting to mistakes or at least admitting to having reviewed the situation and thought through it. Well, again, I want to thank you for uh, sharing uh, your your experience with uh, me tonight and, you know, and the others that will listen to this podcast. Uh, this is where I'll give you, you know, any closing remarks that you want to throw out there? Absolutely. You know, happy to do it. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I will say this, that, you know, I honestly did not think, you know, when I first reached out and I said, okay, I didn't wrestle. I don't have the experience. It even says in the case book, wrestling experience is ideal for officials so that you know the pressure points and you understand the movements. Uh, I, I genuinely expect to be told, thanks, but no thanks. We're not interested. When I first said, hey, would it make sense for me to come down to this conference? And I'm really glad that that wasn't the answer that I got. I'm really glad they said, hey, look, what matters is you're passionate. What matters is you, you're interested. As long as you put the time, energy, and effort to, to improve and you're, you're interested in giving your time to the sport, we'd love to have you. And, it, and I, don't, I don't regret that for a second. It is a blast. It's an adrenaline rush, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. So I guess long story short, the, the closing remarks are that it's hard work. Uh, you know, it's, you're going to be out there getting a good workout if you're doing a good job of it. And uh, it's important to enjoy because if you don't, it is hard work. And you're going to get it. You know, coaches are going to be screaming at you. They're going to be challenging your calls, and they're going to be taking you to the table. So you have to be uh, really, really passionate and love this adrenaline rush to be willing to put up with that and to be persistent enough to be successful and get those better assignments where you're having a great time and really enjoying contributing and giving back to the sport. All right. Once again, Nima, thank you for uh, donating your time for this. And I look forward to our next uh, podcast interview. All right. Thanks, Tony. All right. Have a good night. You do the same.